There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Things are only impossible until they are not. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a Star Trek Picard podcast on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... I'm Redshirt Dave, and tonight we'll be discussing Episode 10 of Star Trek 1, Picard. Well, that had some twists and turns that I really didn't expect. Yep, and it got a little dusty in the room a couple of times, at least for me. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I think I got the old Agnes lip quiver there. (laughs) (laughs) She managed to reintroduce to... Stop it, Agnes, you're killing me. Yeah, especially when she was quivering. It was hard not to quiver with her. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Even Rappy uh, was giving her a run for her money. Yeah. Didn't quite go to the extreme of Elnor, but (laughs) it was close. (laughs) Elnor. Yeah, overall, I thought it was a fitting ending to a pretty decent season. Yeah, pretty decent. Some plot holes here and there and some jumps in, I wouldn't say logic, and maybe narrative, but that's okay. Plenty of questions for next season to see if they take care of. Yeah. Well, let's jump on in. Episode 10, In at Arcadia Ego, Part 2. A final confrontation on the Synthetics homeworld, also known as Synthville. Capellius pits Picard and his team against the Romulans, as well as the Synths who seek to safeguard their existence at all costs. Well, there is some catching up, but not quite in the past, so we'll move on to the Reclamation Cube, where good old Narek makes it to the artifact and manages to sneak past the XB-7 and Elnor. I know. Put someone at the door. Right. <laughs> For one thing. <laughs> or some type of optical alert. Ping! It goes off. Right. Oh, boy. Uh, see, that's it was a good season, but little stuff like that, it just sneaks aboard the cube. Like, come on! Right. Put a guy at the door. Or at least get your sensors back on line so you know when somebody enters the cube. They have long-distance sensors working. Right. To pick up the fleet, but nothing at the front door. (laughs) The new front door. Uh, We do get a brief little conversation between Elnor and Seven that I thought was very interesting. Elnor's wondering what should be done with all the XBs, and he's kind of got that a little bit of the Jot Vash in him, asking, shouldn't we kill them all? Well, he doesn't hide his emotions or everything. He's going to say everything he thinks. He doesn't realize he's sitting with an XB. Right. <laughs> I'll forgive him for that one. He's. I think he's just running off at the mouth because that's what he does. Right. He's an innocent, but it drives Seven down a dark coal there. Right. At least he made up for us. It's the same old conversation, I believe. He said, well, I'd miss you. Yeah, she <laughs> says, well, should I put a gun to my head and yeah. take me out because I'm an XB? And he goes, whoa. Oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I, Agnes Girardi now? Keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
So Merrick makes it to the weapons station where he reunites with his sister, Nerissa. Yeah, come come see my hiding place. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Beachview. Like, Romulans care about that. Right. Was she there the whole time, or was she... Apparently so. We thought that she had originally just transported off the cube, and apparently she yeah. didn't. It was a site-to-site transport where she just beamed to another location on the cube. I would have liked to have seen that little waterfall. Well, she does have beachfront, lots of mirrors. Well, she looked like she had gotten soaked, that's for sure. So Yeah, I think there's an old Saturday Night Live episode where a guy finally looks into what's going on in the ladies' room, and it's full of fountains and statuary <laughs> and stuff, and he's like, what the heck is this? It's paradise. <laughs> <laughs> so Narek collects grenades that will let him destroy the orchid defense system and leaves Nerissa to get the artifact's defensive systems back online. He needs some weapons. You'd think that would be noticed, too. Yeah. I think <laughs> that that actually is what did get noticed. We didn't hear Seven say it, but I think that's what caused Seven to go check. and Yeah, find her I guess so. Another one of those things that they need to clean up, though. Right. As Narek exits the cube, Elnor follows him. Yeah. So Just a little I, late. <laughs> yeah. I suppose when Seven said, I think I'll go check that particular platform, she must have sent him out there. Right. And we see Soji going in to talk to the quarantined Picard. And she questions the choice of sacrifice, and then it makes no sense to her. They are like children. Yes, they are. She explains to Picard that she's carrying out Sutra's plan because it affords synthetics their first opportunity to determine their own fate. Except you just don't know everything that you don't know. (laughs) Have no experience dealing with anything. I mean, you just lived on this planet by yourselves, so... But she had the benefit of having false memories in her childhood. There must have been some morality in that, unless she just decided to reject it because she thought Sutra was right. Right. So Picard responds by telling her not to let the Romulans turn her into the monster they believe her to be, and he implores her to shut down the beacon before it <laughs> contacts the apocalyptic higher synthetics. Yeah. Meanwhile, above the La Serena, Rios learns to use his imagination when Rafi suggests that the ship-fixing device given to them by Arcana can be activated by mentally envisioning what one needs to be. I like how she figured that out. And then she goes, I'll do it. <laughs> and he's like, no, you won't. Everything you do is a hammer. <laughs> there was a lot of good little humor in this episode. Oh, yeah. I think this is a Michael Chabon written episode, so he's got a decent sense of humor to lighten the mood. But it was interesting to see that device actually work. Because speaking of tentacles, the little tentacles come out at the end of it and just connect it. And it goes from fused to unfused and right. working and everything powers up. Again, another throwback to Forbidden Planet, the 1950s movie, where you just think of something and it happens. Duo is also visited by Narek, who wants to join forces to stop the beacon from opening the portal. And oh, Elnor shows up. At, great. Hmm? Yeah. Back and forth ro- between them. <laughs> who's doing rocks at yeah. my ship? It's funny, he says, I, I recognize that sound. People have thrown rocks at his ship before. Or is he just going through an asteroid field? Right. Maybe that's what he's thinking. <laughs> He's sleeping at the switch. I was a little sorry we didn't get to see the rest of the gang, the hologram gang. Right. You would think that they would have all been activated trying to 
help fix the ship. But Yeah, especially, I don't know if you need an organic to do that, but one of them was, uh, I thought one would argue with him, I'll do it too. It'll be two against one. It was cool to see Eleanor show up. I think that would make our friend from the Netherlands happy. Some of these people have more to do, including Eleanor. He was kind of badass in this episode. Oh, yeah. I like that intense look he gets on his face, especially when it's <laughs> he's at the other end of a sword. Yeah. He's got that samurai look on like, be prepared to lose some pieces. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't bother to say his normal line to <laughs> I know. Nara, yeah. choose to live. No, <laughs> he was ready to take him out. Yeah. Narek's got the whole speech memorized anyway. Yeah, I choose. I choose. <laughs> they had a good little scene where they gathered around this campfire. And after failing to contact Picard, Narek recounts the ancient legend of the end. I think he called it Gan Madan. More legend. Good grief. There's all sorts of things we don't know about the Romulans. He did a blog post about the two sisters that appeared on that the card. Right. And it was pretty close. One of them, it was a horn, it was a drum, and there was a whole bunch of skulls around there. It was hard to see what it was, but it did look like a chain. So ultimately, my theory about the Romulans being descended from since didn't work out. No. Still, <laughs> ultimately, the Romulans were right, though, yeah. about <laughs> this ultimate intelligence from another dimension or wherever they're from. It was coming to kill them. So that that was bizarre to, to learn that the Romulans were right. Yeah, who would have thought that? Yeah. One of them pictured on the card was the fortune teller, and she plays a drum made from the skin of children, because who doesn't do that? And the other is Cheneb, who carries a horn, which is doubles as that device, the antenna, right. it calls them. A great pale hell beast from Ganmadan. That's when Rafi chimes in, too. Oh, she's like, ooh, 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 pick me. I know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing that horn will summon a horn of demons and tend to bring about a thousand days of nightmarish pain and suffering. And I have a feeling it really wouldn't last a thousand days. Maybe a thousand seconds. <laughs> I know. I think maybe back a hundred thousand years ago that would I that I still worry not worry but wonder about Steve. Yeah. A hundred thousand years ago and this happened already? And even Narek refers to it tangentially, he says, I believe in history. It's not just legend. It always repeats itself. Like what happened a hundred thousand years ago when there was synthetics and a pre-Vulcan race, and they, this happened to them. Right. Good grief. It wasn't so bad that the war to save them, they lost 100,000 years of technology and had to start basically all over again, do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, I believe that when they came and wiped all the organics out, they wiped out the technology with it. Well, that's one narrative line you could pursue and get them out of this. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, they'd be 100,000 years more advanced than they are now. Yeah, which is even more scarier. Yeah. Now, we see the construction of the Beacon Tower is continuing, and we see Soong and Girardi together as she's helping him with what he is taking care of with Saga. And he tells her that, her decision to help the synthetics end all organic life is a remarkable act of self-sacrifice on your part. He's a little naive himself. Just a little. <laughs> Guess he's thinking that he's going to be able to get into his golem before they show up and end all organic life. I, I guess that's his assumption right now. Isn't his golem organic? Exactly. And uh, as we learn, when jumping ahead a little, the Picard's organic too, right? He's just an organic synth. Right. I mean, they dance around this. The synths on the, in Synthville aren't organic, right? Or are they, Steve? I don't know. I'm still confused on that. Are you? 
Just a little bit. I thought every creation from Maddox was an organic synth, and every creation from Soong was a synthetic synth. But we we just don't know what they're made of. Are they silicon-based or what? Right. And it's really hard to tell. I mean, Soji we know is an organic synth. Yep. So I used to resort to bringing on her own death by I know sending that signal. <laughs> Careful what you wish for, lady. <laughs> and so Girardi replies with, "That's yeah. what mothers do, isn't it?" Yeah. <laughs> like she really would know. Well, she also muttered a little later, "Asshole." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> under her breath, not their mother, asshole. <laughs> right, because we're so. Soong is transferring Saga's memory to a VR module for safekeeping, and that's when he momentarily leaves the room, and we get Girardi's under-the-breath comment, and she rips out Saga's good eye. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) And they always have to include that squelching noise. Yeah. I thought she was going to get out some instrument, you know, in main for her eyeball extraction. It kind of pops it right out. But no, she like, it looked like she kind of dug her finger in there and right. popped it out on her. Yeah. Oh, man. Just about like what happened with Ichib. <laughs> yeah. She uses Sega's eyeball to get into Picard's chamber. Something she learned in just the previous scene when Soji gains entrance to Picard's a little prison there and she got her eye scan. And uh, Agnes is like, oh. That's how I can do that. Yeah. How many times have we seen that in a movie, too? I think it was in one of the Mission Impossible movies. Oh, absolutely. You pluck an eyeball out and gain access. Still doing it in the 24th century. Yep. And, of course, we see Picard laying on the bed. I guess he's just resigned himself (laughs) to his fate because she comes in and tells him, I'm busting you out. He has a momentary just kind of confused. Yeah. Napping. Uh, yeah, apparently. I'm 94. Don't interrupt yeah, my nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she really had to, like, snap him out of it. Don't you want to get out of here? Let's go. Yeah, come on. We're running out of time here. <laughs> yeah, I think the old Picard would have gone, finally, let's go. It yeah. took it so long. Exactly. And they flee for the La Serena. <laughs> but how did they not run into Raffi and company? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> or anybody. Maybe they're all too busy playing soccer. Right. And in front of their TVs watching the local match. I don't know. So let's go to the attack on Capella Station. Rios, Rappi, and Elnor gain entry into the Synthetics compound by pretending that Narek is their prisoner. Which was Narek's plan, which worked pretty well. You could see the Don come over Marblehead for Rios as he goes, oh, of course. Which is another old trope we see. Just use me as a prisoner and we'll get in. I mean, they pulled out all the old stops on this one. Yep. Well, we and, saw it earlier in this season with Seven at the station. Yeah, I'm going to tighten up the writing a little bit. <laughs> Just saying. And it was an interesting way that they did this, though. They kept going back and forth to, as they were bringing them into Synthville, Naira was recounting what the plan should be. I always liked that a little bit. If it's done well, you know what I mean? Right. That was done well. Yes, it was. Yeah. So as they're bringing the soccer ball and being disarmed in the bags, he's discussing how they should hide it in his soccer ball. So it virtually happens at the same time, two storylines converging. And once inside, they immediately are aided in the coups by Soong, who switched allegiance after seeing via Saga's VR memories that the android has murdered Sutra. That must have been pretty hard. It was. Did you see the look on uh, Brent Spiner's face as oh, he realized? absolutely. He was shocked and appalled Crushed. by it. Yeah. 
So as part of the plan, Soon confronts Sutra, telling her, I thought I taught you better than this. Turns out you know better than we are. Right. And he picks up the uh, handheld device and just goes, click. Good thing you reached to that first, because I, I would imagine she's pretty fast. Oh, yeah. Much faster just, than he is, that's yeah. for sure. This is the childhood thing that Soong is, or they're both. I mean, he couldn't picture her killing Saga, and she couldn't picture him shutting her off. Right. They're all children on that planet. Yeah. If you only have one human to interact with, yeah, you aren't getting any experience dealing with others. So you just don't grow in. He doesn't trust Picard. Go back to the Mars Station speech he gave from the previous episode. Exactly. But she has plenty of trust. I mean, who's teaching who on this planet? (laughs) (laughs) They don't learn from anything. Right. Well, that's because they get the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I guess. It was cool, though. When she was deactivated, they went into a battle sequence, or fight sequence. And Elnor and Nyrek fly into action. I had visions of the future show of Star Trek Ranger that we spoke of with Nyrek as part of their crew. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) If they ever get there. And so, in the meantime, I mean, there's some great kicks there. I mean, great kicks and twists and turns. I don't know who... I should look up the CEO find out who did the choreography for the fight scene. Right, because it was awesome. That was awesome. Anyway, Rios was looking to launch the bomb at the tower, and he kept going to somebody, move out of the way. Who was he talking to? Was he talking to Soji or just one of the things standing in his way? I think he was really talking to Soji without saying it so she could hear it. It was like, right. come on, move, 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 so I can yeah. get this. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it didn't work out that well. It goes right by her at like chin level or whatever. And she just snatches it out of the hair. I'm like, really, dude? Couldn't toss that thing in the air? Right. Just <laughs> a big high fly ball to center field. <laughs> yeah, I know. Next time kick it, soccer boy. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of fight action on the artifact, Rizzo, or Narissa, is thwarted by activating defense systems by 709. And speaking of fight scenes, that was a good one, too. There was one part where Narissa flips over the board is something that her brother did on a fight scene down back on the planet. They just like roll over there, land right. on their feet, yes. and throw a kick at the same time. Pretty cool. It's a typical good guy, bad guy fight, Steve. Well, they have to trade barbs, and yes. that's her specialty. And she goes back to a poor little six-year-old Annika, all she got yes. for her birthday. Oh, oh man. Oh, that's it. I'm going to kick your ass. I had to go there, Narissa. <laughs> yep. She likes to taunt people. And- oh, man. I'm not sure that was the best strategy. No. So Seven responds with, and she was right about her being pretty. This is for Hugh. And sends her plummeting to her death. We think at least. It's got to be. Yeah. As far as down as she went, yeah, the odds You could hear her scream all the way down. There were people (laughs) on the internet who believe, oh, she's not dead. I'm like, what? Did you hear that scream? It went on and on and on. Yeah. Wasn't just a couple of floors. (laughs) No. Yeah, I think Seven would have figured that out. Whoops, she's still hanging on. I watched Star Wars yesterday, the last one, Rise right. of Skywalker, and Ben gets thrown off a cliff, too. Right. I'm like, well, being in Star Wars, well, he's not dead. Right. And their comic book rules are bigger than Star Trek's comic book rules. Of course, he's not dead, but I think definitely Nerissa's dead. We head up to the La Serena as Girardi and Picard make their way to the ship, and JL sits down in the captain's chair and manages to get the ship up and into space. He's watching Rios to yes. see how much I learn. Yeah. 
And as they get into space, Picard tells Girardi that the synths need to learn by example. Because fear is not a good teacher. Apparently not. No. And contacts Soji and he tells her that they can save each other, but Soji powers up the tower anyway. Of course, Commodore O's fleet shows up and prepares to stop the synthetics by incinerating the entire planet. Yeah. Agnes was pretty much on her comedic best oh, when she was aboard that ship. Absolutely. She With all her, all her little things she said, I wanted to say, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> How come they didn't think of that? I thought right. that would be obvious. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what, Steve? That whole scene, he's going to teach her a lesson about sacrifice and everything. Right. I wanted Agnes to turn around, slap her hand on the dashboard and go, does that include me? Because <laughs> apparently it did. Yep. It was not going to be him alone. Nope. <laughs> but thanks to a suggestion by Girardi about the Picard maneuver, what <laughs> quick thinking, <laughs> Picard devises a plan. Using Ariana's magic wand, Yeah, he creates hundreds of holographic duplications of the La Serena, thereby tricking O into thinking she's under siege and diverting her attention away from Capellius below. That was great when we tried it out and we had <laughs> a whole lot of Girardi faces. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can see the Rios is being like, which one do I kiss? <laughs> that was funny, though. It was hilarious. She's all smiling. Yeah. <laughs> I thought O would realize that, hey, we're not hitting anything. How come nothing exploded? And then, but of course, the real La Serena took a hit. Yeah, but it was a pretty good space battle for at least visually with the orchids. Oh, yeah. Because they were sending out snakeheads and pretty decent battle. Yeah, they've, they've gone a long way since the original series and even the next generation to right. do space battles. Yes. I mean, digitally, you can do anything now. And Soji gets the beacon activated and, oh, once again, orders her fleet to destroy Capellius. This is like the real battle of Midway. It was yes. Like the 75th anniversary of it last year when the Japanese fleet kept switching between bombs and torpedoes. They never could get it right to which one they should be destroying. Should we attack the planet or attack the fleet? Right. And O's fell right into it. Yeah. And then we hear the TNG theme song and Starfleet arrives. Not the Enterprise D. No. Worf, but Riker. Yeah. Still a captain. They should have breveted him to uh, Admiral. Yeah. Just for that mission. Yeah. And even to hear him say acting captain just didn't sound yeah. right. Come on, man. At least he combed his hair. <laughs> and we got rid of the sharp edges on the ships because almost yeah. all of these starships were all rounded. So, yeah. I read up on that. They're all, well, he's on the Shang-Yi, which is named after a. A Chinese explorer, but apparently it's a Curiosity class ship. And I think we learned after reading this that the Ibn Majid is also a Curiosity. So I think it's forming into canon that this is an upgrade of the Curiosity class. Right. And that's where all the new ships from. And I can only imagine, as we discussed off the air, they managed to build this without the station on Mars, since it's apparently still on fire. Right. And they're replicating them in space or on planet. It could be on planet. Yep. They found a way to, to do that. Huh. That's a lot of ships, Steve. They, <laughs> a lot of them. That looks a little more than a squadron, too. That looks like a fleet. But in reading the same article, it's still canon that the Enterprise-E is still flagship of the fleet. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
So Worf is still out there. He's probably pissed. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't get called in on this. I wonder where Michael Dorn is. Well, on the ready room, Mm -hmm. we actually see some behind-the-scene photos with Worf and Jordy as they paid a visit to the set and had everybody just going goo-goo over them. Yeah. When they did the premiere, I guess, in L.A. of Picard, Michael Dorn was there. Jordy was there. Not his real name. (laughs) Michael Dorn. Yeah. And the actress who played, oh, who's the doctor on the Next Generation? Gates McFadden. Yeah, Gates McFadden. She was there, too. Her hair was blonde. Yeah, wow. (laughs) It looked blonde. I wonder if they'll uh, bring him back for the next season. It could be. If they want to. We already, I'd be jealous. Right. And it's. I guess they've got a fine line to play between fan service and storytelling. I mean, this season it worked out real well to get Riker and Troy back in. And I guess we'll just have to wait till season two to see if they manage a way to get a couple more back just for an episode or two. Well, Whoopi Goldberg is going to be back, so why not? Let's hope so, yeah. Yeah, really. (laughs) So rather than... Stand down, oh, get set to fight the Federation forces. (laughs) But of course, at this crucial moment, Picard suffers an attack from his brain abnormality. And he's still on screen with Soji, so she's seeing what's going on. Mm -hmm. And he demands that Girardi give him a medicine that will speed up his eventual demise. Now, this medicine at least makes him temporarily lucid, and he begs Soji to power down the beacon, saying, show them how profoundly wrong they are about you. And he argues that the Federation isn't a danger to the synthetics like the Romulans are, because we trust you to make the right choice, and I believe in you. Yeah, as you mentioned, he uh, said that uh, we'd be attacking your base now, but we're not. Right, and convinced Soji destroys the beacon, thus closing the portal before those giant tentacle-like <laughs> mechanical creatures can emerge from it. Thank God. <laughs> well, she destroyed that hologram of the beacon still there. Right. Because they did a pan back shot later on, like, oh, look, it's still there. That's not good. activated at any time. Yeah. Hmm. And having saved the day, Picard thanks Riker for always having my back. Don't you like the way their their voices resonate? Yeah, uh, the same way they did in the original. Yes. I mean, uh, Next Generation. They sound yeah, so great. Exactly the same. And of course, O finally decides to get her fleet the hello out of there. And of course, Riker wants to accompany them back to their <laughs> space. <laughs> Oh, that won't be necessary. Yeah. Oh, oh yes, it will. <laughs> oh, yes, it will. <laughs> <laughs> and following the farewell, Picard collapses and Soji beams him and Girardi back down to Capellius. Now, I know I saw a lot of complaints about why didn't Riker stick around and make sure everything was okay, but he had to believe Picard when Picard says, I got it from here. Yeah. And it was that whole Romulan fleet thing. Yeah. We had wondered where they were. And they called it Federation Space because of that treaty, I guess. But right. I, I think they're in the Alpha Quadrant because I think the Romulans went beyond neutral zone. So we were wondering where earlier all this took place. So I guess this planet where Maddox was hiding was in 
the Alpha Quadrant, right? Yep. Okay. At least this planet. Now, where his lab that got destroyed was, we still don't know that. I know. We probably never will. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to move on from that, I guess. Yeah. So this is where everything gets a little dusty in my living room, Steve, when I was watching this. absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Surrounded by everyone, Picard and poor Soji, as they had been back, I gave you a choice. Not being the destroyer was up to you. It always was. And he dies. Like, oh, oh, man, that was tough. Yeah, because everybody's all around him. Tears are flowing. Yeah. Rafi's holding him. It's just, oh. <laughs> yeah, you see the clean yeah. lips of Girardi? Yeah. holds con- concern. Yeah, he says, Elnor. I thought he was going to call him my son. Right. Should have. Yep. I thought he would consider uh, Elnor his son and Soji his daughter. Yep. Maybe uh, Rafi, you know, like his sister or something. We'll see. They can always develop that. Oh, yeah. So we move later on. This is some profound, and it kind of, this the ending of the show reminded me of The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, where it just couldn't yes, end. Yes, <laughs> They kept coming up with new scenarios to say goodbye. And we go to one shot where Seven and Rios both admit they wound up doing just what they'd always promised themselves they wouldn't do again. For Seven, that means killing someone just because they deserved it. I'll grant her that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and for Rios, it entails uh, allowing a no-nonsense ship captain back into his heart and watching the man die <laughs> and Sam goes well that's it i win yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i don't know it I, was I, funny that you know, she had that bottle of uh synthetic alcohol <laughs> yeah i'm not sure what they need that for on that plant i was no. hoping it would be romulan ale uh, yeah or something exactly or maybe dr soon had that in his cabinet comment seven made was yeah you can but i wouldn't if i was you yeah <laughs> And both their faces like, mm, what is it, motor oil? Exactly. <laughs> and we get another scene where Rafi is sitting by herself and Eleanor comes up. And he pretty much collapses in her arms. And she has to bring out the mother in her and, and console him. It was a pretty touching scene. Yes, it really was. Both Evan and Michelle, Michelle just knocked it out of the park this episode. That should make Fred happy. There was some good acting there. Yes, there really, <laughs> really was. Well, anyway, this is short-lived because subsequently we cut to Picard opening his eyes in a dark living room opposite Data, who informs him that, yes, he's dead. <laughs> he should have waved his hand like, eh, dead-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Data's back in his old nemesis uniform and has got his hair severely lacquered. I mean, they resurrected the Data character with Brent Spiner several times. Right. And sometimes the makeup and effects just aren't quite there. Right. But this time I thought it was pretty good. There was a lot of criticism on the internet. There's enough already. I'm like, yeah, okay, enough already. But that wasn't bad. No. Tell you the truth. That was much better than the opening scene of the series. Yeah. And playing card. <laughs> yeah. No wonder they darkened the room a little. <laughs> that probably helped. And Picard remembers dying, but Data does not. He only possesses the knowledge that he was sacrificed himself to save Picard. I, I was a little confused. They kept going back and forth on this and how it was saved. It said Data said his memory was extracted from a single neuron by Bruce Maddox, and his consciousness was reconstructed by his brother Soong. But they also referred to the memories that he shifted to B4. Right. I'm surprised they went there because all the memories were, I don't know, they danced between those two methods. I'm like, whatever. TV <laughs> rules. Did, did you find that a little odd yourself? No, not really. Because no. we knew that Data had put part of himself in B4. And B4 made it to the Daystrom Institute. Yeah. So Maddox had access to the 
neurons. And yeah, because Data wasn't able to completely download everything into B4 because it couldn't mm-hmm. handle it, it made sense to me that Data was not 100% himself in this scene. So he transported the Data's memories from B4 to Synthville because that's where the neuron is, yeah. right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> anyway, they're in this complex quantum simulation. I wonder if that may, my end is going to be that way. <laughs> if it is going to be that way, Narissa will make it back. <laughs> but as we find out, Picard, it turns out, is real. Before he expired, soon Jurati and Soji transferred his entire memory into a simulation, but he can't stay. Yeah, now, when we had the scenes with Seven and Rios and Elnor and Rafi, we see the blue synthetic butterfly. Yes. And you knew right then that that was where they were going to go. I guess so, even though Picard recounts they're not real. Butterflies aren't real. Right. (laughs) If they're immortal. Yes. So behind an opening door, blinding white light beckons. Go to the light. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Go to the light and live. (laughs) Yes. This time especially. And Data confesses that he remembers that Picard loves him. And before Picard departs, Data asks him for a favor, to terminate his consciousness once Picard returns to the land of the living. And this isn't because Data wants to die, but because I want to live however briefly, knowing that my life is finite. Mortality (laughs) gives meaning to human life, Captain. Peace, love, friendship, these are precious because we know they cannot endure. Somewhere that butterfly is like, oh, damn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but what a way to close a chapter on a very beloved character. No, bring him back as a synthetic. Right. <laughs> we had wondered that in the previous episode. Oh, we're like, yeah. well, yeah, there's a couple options. more. Yeah. That was one of the options. We're like, why would they make an old golem? Well, now we know. Yep. <laughs> and I still think Seven could have been able to save him and and of course as soon as he starts having problem on the la serena he's got girardi there she's the doctor use the magic tool the magic tool (laughs) imagine it and it'll fix it now the whole freaking fandom would have just blown up if that would have been the (laughs) the choice that the writers made was the magic tool yeah, well, it can still work. Somebody left it on the console yes. in La Serena, where Agnes could find it, by the way. <laughs> of course, Picard awakens in the chamber, and it's clear his mind has been transferred into Song's synthetic golem. His new body is an exact replica of his prior one, and he learns that it features no super-powered augmentations, so you're not going to be an X-Man. Yeah. And will last just as long as his original mortal self would have had his power race <laughs> brain or abnormality never existed. Yeah. That's plus <laughs> minus. He's like, so another ten or twenty years? Yes. And they just smile at they just smile at him. Well, we'll never know. Yeah. Well we might know sooner than later. Exactly. <laughs> so a lot of people are concerned about Girardi turning herself in again, but I don't believe that's going to happen because she's got to stay with Picard just in case something goes wrong with the synthetic body. Fine with me. Yes. (laughs) 
So we still have to say goodbye to an old friend now. Picard fulfills his promise to Data and erases his consciousness. And it was, that was a little sad, too. Oh, yes, it was. And Data in the assimilation is drinking wine while wearing a robe and listening to Irving Berlin's Blue Skies. And it's being sung by Issa Briones. And it's amazing what a great voice she has. Yes, it is. Such range. I was solely impressed. I, I know you can do anything uh, in the studio, right. but uh, a lot of that was just playing her. Yes. Amazing I, singer. Yeah. It's available online, too. I think I saw it on Twitter where you can, yep. I guess you go to uh, StarTrek.com and listen. Pretty good. Yes, it was. Picard appears in the simulation, holds Data's hand. It was a little spooky, too, as it comes to an end. I think we've seen, somebody touched on, I forgot who it was on the internet, how Data likes to, when he relaxes, he likes to wear a silk coat. Right. Some of the simulations, including uh, the ones when he was Sherlock Holmes, he's in the, the silk jacket. or jacket, coat. yeah. Yeah. He must think that's sophisticated. And as he passes the reborn, Picard and Toad's quoting Shakespeare's The Tempest. We are such stuff as dreams are made on, and our little elf is round to his sleep, which is death. And as I reminded Steve off air, the Tempest is often seen as the inspiration for Forbidden Planet, which was a pretty good Easter egg, at least for me. Right. I love the visual that they had of Data's face as he grew old. That Scary. was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Picard was in the TNG uniform as well. Right, as Data remembers him. Yes. And they just like drift into. Like smoke and ash and disappear. Right. Great. So, yeah. So we go back to La Serena and Gerardi kisses Rios. She ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and Seven and Rafi romantically intertwine their hands. What do you think of that? I'm still not 100% sure. The fandom just exploded with this. And I'm not really sure if it's romantic just a gesture? or yeah. if it is more of a human gesture. Were, yeah. They were talking about their son. Yeah. And losing their sons, so they were just bonding. Right. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, that's where I'm going for right now until okay. things until uh, progress see in otherwise. another direction. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's no indication that Rafi ever considered going to the other team. Not that we've seen, <laughs> at least. Not that we've seen. I think it was Picard. He's going like everyone up to the bridge. It's time to get going. So they all join him. To me, I saw this mysterious figure on the left, mostly concentrated on the right side of the bridge. And you could see Elnor come out. Right. And Seven and Rafi coming from down below. But I thought, who is that shadowy figure off to the left? Right. Well, it turns out to be uh, Soji. Right. But for a quick second there, <laughs> I thought it was going to be Rafi. I was going to say, wow, that's balls. Yeah. Because <laughs> we never saw him again. He got pinned down. And he's appealing to Soji as he's being held down. And then, boom, he was gone. We never saw him again. Right. That was a little weird, too. Well, I thought he was going to sit there with everyone looking at him. He's like, he's be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I helped you, didn't I? <laughs> I just so, wanted to live and not only yeah. with sense. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> yeah. You get to but, stick with the XBs and the sense for the rest of your life. Now, yeah, <laughs> I know. I guess he can't be gone, but I, I don't think he is going to be gone. We can discuss that in theories. Right. I'm pretty sure his sister's gone. There was an empty seat off to the left as Picard stood there and said, engage. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, because I'm racing ahead. Wow, are they going to add a member? Whose seat is that? This is going to be cool. We still don't have another crew member. Then I'm like, oh, wait, that's Picard's seat. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but yeah, it was nice to hear Soji say that she wants to wander. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. I'm glad they uh, found more use 
for her character, and maybe uh, she'll break into song in season two or three too. That'd oh, be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And she gets to get some experience that hopefully she'll eventually be able to take back to the other sense and impart the, some wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> Do some proper teaching so they become more worldly than not as much children. Yeah, I have a depressing theory about that. <laughs> of course, it's depressing. I, I can't think of positive theories. So I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> Maybe it's my golem nature. I don't know. So why don't we get into a few Easter eggs and boomer talk and theories, Steve? Let's do it. Oh, by the way, Gerardi mentioned that Picard maneuver. Yes. I think we mentioned how there was a lot of funny little lines in this. First thing she said was, maybe they'll call it the Picard maneuver. And she goes, oh, wait, that's a thing already, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she got a whole bunch of Gerardi faces all over the place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but did you see the ready room where they actually had a behind the scene take that the cast of TNG had their own definition of the Picard maneuver. <laughs> oh, yeah, like pulling on his shirt? Yeah, and <laughs> only he was the one that could do it. <laughs> yeah, did anyone else ever do that? No, I don't think so. Not on camera, at least. Yeah. But I mean, of course, uh, Will Wheaton mentioned that he did it went on set and got chewed out. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one particular ready room where Riker said that he was scared to death about coming back when they said, because he had volunteered to direct two of the episodes. Right. And and then they said later on, hey, how would you like to come back? And he's like, what? I guess his face went white. Yeah. Not so, not, he was on, he was doing an interview with Brent Spiner. And right. he goes, uh, I don't know. He was afraid of failure. Just yeah. like uh, Jerry Ryan was afraid of failure. How can I really do this again? Yeah. Step back into those characters. I didn't know these guys are so sensitive. <laughs> it's... Because of the fandom and how much mm. they love this series, yes, it puts added pressure on the actors to, especially when you haven't played the character in 15 years, to step mm. back into it. Yeah, I guess so. But both Franks and Jerry did great jobs, and same with yeah. Marina and Brent. So Yeah, yeah. They, are, <laughs> they were fantastic. Not that hard for them, even though they're petrified of it. <laughs> did you notice when... Frakes had himself sitting in the chair for the Zheng He, how he was slouched to one yeah. side. He can't sit up straight. Yeah. He never did. He he's always slouched. Back. Yeah, like he's yeah. like we did in the uh, 70s as we're getting our first car, you know, kind of sitting low. I'm yeah, that's cool, right. I'm bad. One, that's right. One hand on the steering wheel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he'd bring him back. Yep. So anyway, Seven is on La Serena at the end of the episode. And so it makes you wonder what's going on with the Borg Cube. And I have a prediction, oh. or at least a theory. Okay, let's hear it. That the XBs will be saved by the synths. Nice. They'll continue. Yeah, why not? Yes. I mean, they're, they're going to go out and wander anyway. If they don't get wandered, then uh, the curiosity, <laughs> I'd hope, of the synths will be enough. I mean, Soong is still alive, right? Why not make him that his next project? Right. Working field on them. Trip. Yeah, field trip. <laughs> Uh, they can't just leave him to be alone no, and die. I mean, the, the prox proximity is close enough where they can work for each other. Yep. And it would give the sense some experience dealing with people that are having issues. Yeah. integrating themselves back into society. So I think it would be a amazing learning opportunity for the sense to take them in and help Care them. for them. Yeah. yeah. Help them out. Yeah. Yeah. I can just see it now. I'm, now my mind is really racing. Then the uh, XBs go back to the board cube and get it running again. 
<laughs> Who wants to go for an interstellar field trip? Yeah. <laughs> so is Jurati no longer turning herself in for murder for Bruce Maddox, I guess? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. They share a kiss. And I'm like, well, that's not going anywhere. Maybe we get a brief lesson on how these people do. I mean, Seven said she'd never do it again. Kill somebody because they deserve it. I'm not saying Maddox deserved it, but these guys get over murder pretty fast. It seems like it, yeah. And with Seven, it was her getting basically revenge for Hugh. Yep. So I can understand her feeling like she had failed in that sense, but yeah, she got taunted big time. And so, yeah, she may have to work on her anger issues just a little bit. (laughs) I think we're supposed to think back to where, I forgot who it was. Uh, Somebody posited that maybe, no, I don't know. I don't think it was Nerea. Maybe she did go crazy. Agnes was driven crazy for that moment in time. That's why she murdered Maddox. Was that Nerissa that thought that? I can't remember. No, I think it was Rafi that thought that. Yeah, maybe it was Rafi. Yeah. But yeah, she saved Picard, so... Yeah, gonna need her. Kind of made up for it. Mm, Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe they'll go to a a planet in the Federation somewhere. Oh, we have an arrest warrant for you. Oh, damn it. (laughs) Uh, How am I going to get out of this? (laughs) So it was also a bit glossed over that Commodore O has a ton of Federation secrets to take back to the Romulans. I mean, she's been sharing forever. Oh, I know. No wonder uh, the Federation took a dark turn. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you wonder what's going on in our own reality. <laughs> Trek tends to uh, mirror what's going on. Yeah, I saw a time, few. Even yeah, I think I saw a few references. Yeah, it struck me there was a few references to that. Yep. <laughs> well, he didn't have to. Picard, speaking of Picard maneuvers, that he really didn't have to tug on his shirt for this one. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I noticed that Data looked at him as those. Oh, those the clothes you died in? Yeah. <laughs> Curious. <laughs> Yeah, much more relaxed. You don't have to tug on those. Yeah, and then another Easter egg or little bit to take note of was the uh, the gift of the synthetics to Rapidus. Essentially ended up being a whatever-you-need plot device. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of like MacGyvering. Yes. And uh-huh. Trek has been known for doing that forever. It's yeah. nothing new. <laughs> and now the showrunner from MacGyver is going to be switching over to uh, Picard for next season. That'll be interesting. Yes, it will. <laughs> also, we got mention of any time you're in a tough situation, eject the warp core or hide, to the ne- hide in the nearest nebula. Yep. Just make sure Khan isn't following you in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sadly, there was no Laris or Jaban at the end there. No reference either or flashback. But apparently we've heard that housekeeping and security, that uh, Michael Shabon strongly hinted in an interview that they'll be back next season. Let's hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. Hopefully Crusher makes it back, too. Maybe they can just seed these people in. Yeah, Crusher had a pretty good relationship with uh, Picard. He doesn't need a doctor anymore, but, you know. Yeah, there you They go. said everything works. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, have another prediction, Steve. Right. You know how, you know how I, aside from the XBs being saved by the synths and then maybe going back in his face, wow. Agnes is, thinks she's pretty good at being a spy. Yeah, <laughs> she can do this now. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, I'm going to tell her for this. I can see future episodes where she thinks she's such a great spy and all she does is get herself in more trouble. <laughs> and so you'll have to wrap around a few episodes where they have to get Agnes out of trouble. It'll be one of those eye roll things like, oh, where is she now? Is she at it again? Right. Yeah. I can see her and Elnor 
going on a mission together and getting into all kinds of trouble. Yeah, but I don't know where I'll find a place to hide. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he'll keep her safe, if nothing else. Yeah. I don't think anyone can ultimately keep Agnes safe. She just, she's going to step in it no matter what. All right. Are you ready for my dark theory? Yes. All right. Soon dies. Of course, no place to go now. They have no leader and Sutra will be reactivated. I mean, she was a leader. Who's to say? Someone's just not going to find that device, or Sumil would have to destroy this, the clicker. Right. I don't know if he'll do it or not. We've seen him swing around in his emotions several times. Maybe he thinks he can fix her. Right. He goes, I thought I taught you better, but maybe he'll try to reactivate her and, and teach her better. Right. Oh, boy. Yeah. I can I would see give him the- those Soongs are an acquired taste, so yeah, I can see that happening. <laughs> yeah, they are an acquired taste. You never know. <laughs> Oh, I have a one boomer reference that goes all the way back to 1966. And remember, I was just a kid in 66. Yeah. <laughs> when those tentacles came out of a, I don't know what, a, a portal, an interdimensional hole or another galaxy. So it turns out the Romulans were right. They are out to destroy them. And these things come in the form of mechanical tentacles. And I go, is that really the face of evil? Would evil in a higher intelligent order really come back looking like something out the Avengers 1 movie? The, the Chitari? <laughs> Right. And it made me think of an original Lost in Space episode called The Golden Man. He's from 1966. And that's the real face of evil. Something you readily accept. Like, oh, this guy wants all the best for us. How can we can trust him? And then, and then everyone just gives themselves over. Right. You know, and, and it turns out the Golden Man is not what he seems at all. Yeah. Kind of like the face of God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, he's been on Star Trek. <laughs> well, that's all I had. All right. Well, that's... A very interesting theory, to say the least. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have some feedback. Once again, our friend Fred from the Netherlands has provided us some feedback. So let's take a listen. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 1, Episode 10. The Season 1 Finale. I watched the episode twice, once with my wife. I also watched The Ready Room with Will Wheaton and in this case with Patrick Stewart and Alison Pill. Well, I liked that Alison Pill a lot more than Agnes Durati. Agnes is, okay, Alison Pill, she does a very nice job if you see how she really is and you compare it to her acting, then her acting is quite nice. But in her role as Agnes, I find her too insecure, too jittery. And, and in that sense, the, the scene where she wakes up Picard and says she's a better secret agent than she thought was very, very nice. But as a head of its research department or uh, research institute, I think she should be a more secure person. So I don't like Agnes Gerati, but I do like, after this ready room, Alison Pill. And in this period of time, the word lockdown has, of course, a very heavy meaning. And it was said by Narek when he was talking to Rafi Rios and I think Elnor in La Sirena. I like the concept, very nice, that our beloved Picard is a synth now. And I really wonder what will happen to AI Sung, not for nothing AI. I think the golem was meant for Ultron, but he donated it to Picard. That's actually not completely clear to me. And will he make another golem for himself? 
I got the impression it was for him. And that was of course a big gesture towards Picard to give him this golem. Although in the discussion with Data in that dream, he didn't like Ultron soon that much. But I think that's changed now. I think the la this last episode had, as many other episodes, some very nice visuals. One was the Borg cube standing in the water in the beginning of the episode. I thought the scene where Narek found Nerissa, so in the half dark in the cube, with very nice lightning, which continued when she fought with uh, Seven, having some very nice close-ups as well, so that was nice. O's ship from the outside in space, very cool, and also some very vicious close-ups of O. I like the space battle a lot with the orchids, especially with the orchids. A little less for the two fleets having a standoff. The space orchids, by the way, remind me more of Visalis than of really orchids. And not everybody knows probably what Visalis is, but it's a kind of fruit. Other English names for it are ground cherries or husk tomatoes. Of course, a very nice picture was the 25 Agnes Juratis. I liked Rios and Seven at sunset and the image of the dying data where he gets older in a very quick way. Some negatives in the episode were additionally, uh, I think, two easy deaths for the two of the main villains. Sutra just was simply switched off. Well, for such a villain, a bit easy. And Nerissa just was pushed overboard. One other negative point is that Nerissa is dead. Well, probably she's dead. And actually, I hope she's not. And then another negative point was this synthetic tentacles that came through this opening, this rift. They really were a bit cheesy. Nevertheless, I give this episode a 9.4 and the whole series an 8.0 out of 10. Okay, time is up. Greetings, Steve and Dave. Thank you very much for this 10 weeks ride. You did a lot of lot of work, so big respect for the both of you. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, thank you so much, Fred. It's been a pleasure hearing your feedback on every episode, and definitely looking forward to hearing more in Season 2 whenever that occurs. Mm. Hopefully it'll be sooner than later, but I do expect some delays. Sadly. Yes. Fred did touch on a lot of points that we did touch on in this episode. Yeah, he though. actually did. I mean, yeah. The Rios and Seven scene, uh, the visuals, <laughs> the data dying. Narissa dying. Yes. Neutral <laughs> getting turned off. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you really gave this a, a high rating. I think you topped your yes. best episode rating for the season with a 9.4 and an 8 overall. <laughs> that's a pretty good rating there fred yeah and uh like i said we really appreciate your feedback every week and looking forward to hearing your feedback in the future so thanks again fred yeah fred stay safe yes. you know stay healthy please do you and, you and your family we're thinking of you we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season and looking forward to interacting on social media with you. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? I can go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link. You find several ways to contact us via email or social media. Steve's at at Steve, and I'm at the real ID Dave. Please review and rate us on iTunes and all other platforms you're listening to us on. 
Good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us as there are a lot of Star Trek Picard podcasts out there. And some of them aren't real happy <laughs> with the last two episodes, that's for sure. Oh, well, too bad. Yep. That's their problem, not ours. That's right. I'm happy. See? Yep. They didn't have any tears at the, the Picard demise scene. There's something wrong with them. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell your friends, and we do hope you're enjoying our podcast, and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. Season 2 is in the works, and Season 3 at Discovery is coming soon, so until then, remember... This is Chief Engineer Steve. To say you have no choice is a failure of imagination. And this is Redshirt Dave, and I am thrilled to learn I could get a new body. I am building myself a golem as we speak, with the help for the people from Westworld, of course. And it's going to be a younger version. None of this old stuff for me. <laughs>